All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. (laughs) Give me a thank you. Uh, Let me get a chance to get set up here a little bit. You know, a while back, I talked to you from this pulpit, and I talked to you about a a gospel artist, a guy named Kirk Franklin. And uh, there's a there's a video that he does, and it's called Imagine Me. And as he sits down at this this piano, he sits there and, and he offers up this little flash prayer that I just love. He just turns his face to the, to the sky and he says, Lord, thank you for allowing me to see myself the way that you see me. What a powerful prayer that is. And it's a valid prayer. It's a valid prayer. Matter of fact, a lot of us need to pray that more often. But today, this morning, we're going to turn that around a little bit, and we're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to talk to you about praying a prayer that is a little bit different. It's along the same lines, but it's something that we need to do. The prayer is going to be, Lord, thank you for allowing me to see you the way that you truly are. Did you hear me? Thank you for allowing me to see you, the Lord God Almighty, the way you truly are. Turn in your Bibles to Job. It's about the middle of your Bible. Book of Job. We're going to go to chapter 14. Michael, you can go ahead and throw that passage up there. We'll start reading in um, verse 16 of chapter 14. And you've got to remember what's going on here. Job is going through some tough times. I mean, this is some serious situation that Job's facing now. And because he's facing all these serious situations, he gets to a point, and I've got to tell you, at this point, he is truly in despair. He's in despair. Let's start reading in chapter, or in verse 16. For now you number my steps, but do not watch over my sin. What he's actually saying there, and this is a little bit of an unfortunate translation in the New King James Version, but he's saying, are you going to remember my sin? My transgression is sealed up in a bag and you cover my iniquity. But as a mountain falls and crumbles away and as a rock is moved from its place, as water wears away stones and as torrents wash away the soil of the earth, so you, now listen to this, he's talking to God, you destroy the hope of man. Whoa. You prevail forever against him. And he passes on. You change his countenance and send him away. Some tough words. I want to I read that same scripture out of the New Living Translation because I think it's a little bit clearer here. For then you would count my steps instead of watching for my sins. And he's talking about, Lord, kill me. I'm ready to die. My sins would be sealed in the pouch and you would cover my iniquity. But as mountains fall and crumble and as rocks fall from a cliff, as water wears away the stones and floods wash away the soil, so you destroy people's hope. You always overpower them and then they pass from the scene. You disfigure them in death and send them away. Does that sound like the Lord? Sounds like Job. Sounds like Job. 
This is Job speaking. I, I want you to understand that. He's got a wrong picture of God going on here, I think. We can understand that a little bit. He's surrounded by some friends that are telling him some lies. He's suffering. He doesn't understand that. He was a righteous man. He's got the wrong idea of God. Let's turn over to Job chapter 38. This, this type of a dialogue goes on for a while in the Scripture. And we see some of Job's friends go, talking about God and, and, and even Job's wife saying, Hey, just, you know, just die. This is some tough stuff going on for Job. And, you know, it's interesting that when we, when we go to Job chapter 38, we finally find that the Lord, the Lord God Almighty, Yahweh, finally gets enough. He finally gets enough and he says, all right, we're going to start reading in verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you will answer me. Wow. Wow. You see, and, and i got to tell you that the Scripture goes on from here, and for the next couple of chapters, there's some wonderful passages where God, instead of asking Job, you know, some of these nebulous, philosophical, high-thinking man questions, you know, like, what's the meaning of life? Those things that we hear in the, in the Truth Project. No, God begins to ask Job some really deep but very practical questions. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? Where were you when I set in motion the stars and the planets? Where were you when I set the limitations of the oceans themselves? You know what God is saying? God is saying, you know what? Enough. God is telling Job, that's enough. You got the wrong idea. You understand that? You got the wrong idea about who I am. As a matter of fact, he doesn't, in this passage that we're looking at, God does not accuse Job of sin. He doesn't say, hey, you know, you're a sinner. I'm going to beat you up. What he accuses Job of in these verses is a lack of knowledge. A lack of knowledge of who I really am. You better get it right, Job. You better get it right. I've had enough. I'm going to set you straight. Matter of fact, in the, in the Hebrew... This is kind of funny, but he tells Job, gird up your loins, get ready for battle. In other words, Job, let's get it on. I want to I talk to you a little bit about our wrong idea of who the Lord is. A lot of you know that when I was a little guy, I grew up, hold it, time out, time out. I got to issue a disclaimer right here. <laughs> I was raised in a Baptist church, and it was a tough Baptist church. <clears throat> and I'm going to say right now that the Baptists, all Baptists, are doing some great work. Praise God. Praise God. So nothing that I say is intended to be critical. All I'm trying to do is communicate the experience that I had, because I love my brothers and sisters that call themselves Baptists, and they're awesome. They're doing a lot of good work. But I was raised in a church 
And I got to tell you, the sign out front, <laughs> it said, independent, and then we added another one, fundamentalist, and then we, it's kind of like a joke, we had to fold out another one. Premillennial, we kept defining ourselves. I mean, this was a hardcore Baptist church. And every, you know, I'm a little guy. And every, <laughs> every Sunday morning I'd go to church because my dad was a deacon in the church. And I'd sit there, you know, about midway in the back. And, man, we had a preacher that would preach hellfire and brimstone, and he would bring it. And I'm little. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just wide-eyed as I sit there in the pew, and I'm listening to this, and, and I know he's bringing the truth. But that's what he's preaching. And I, I sit there Sunday after Sunday and I listen to this and, and praise God that they had an altar call every Sunday because, man, I needed to get saved every Sunday. <laughs> I'm telling you. Matter of fact, I would go up and I would get saved or do whatever I have to do. Man, I was a repentant little guy. I would repent. And then the service would be over and I'd stand out there in the foyer and I'd, you know, I had this little prayer that I would pray. I'd say, all right, God, can you just let me make it to the car? <laughs> can, I, can I make it to the car? Because I thought, man, I was going to get struck down. You see, here's the deal. I had a wrong idea of the Lord God Almighty, and it was placed there. Do you understand? And, and, and maybe some of you have that same idea. Maybe some of you have this same experience. Maybe it didn't come from a church. Maybe it came from a parent or somebody else. But you have this same idea. And so what happened for me is that I spent two years, I mean two decades or more, actually when I got up to the point where I could make some decisions, and I was running from God because I was running from a harsh God. And... <clears throat> A bit later in my life, I ran into a, 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 a part of the Lord that I had really not been talked about, told about. That is the Holy Spirit of, of God. And the Holy Spirit did a transformational work in me and began to comfort me. He is the comforter. And he began to... Speak to me the truth about the Lord, about who the Lord truly is. And allowed me to get beyond my idea, that idea that had been placed in me, that God is a God of vengeance and wrath. And then the Holy Spirit even went further. He, he taught me that God is a relational God. He literally wants to have a relationship with me. Whoa, this is new news. So I'm here to tell you that God wants to have a relationship with each and every one of you in this place. Isn't that awesome news? God wants to have a relationship with you. As a matter of fact, it's going to be, it, it makes God happy. He's the creator of the universe, and it, it'll make God happy to have a relationship with you. Did you know that you can make the creator of the universe happy? Isn't that neat? This is good news, folks. But we have to relate to the Lord as a good and a loving and a caring Father. 
see, that's how he wants to relate to each and every one of us. Well, how do I know that he wants to relate to, to me, that he wants to relate to Greg? Well, his, his word tells me, his word tells me that he wants to have a relationship with me and that I was actually created to have a relationship with him. He sent his son to the earth to show me how he wants to relate to me. And more importantly, he gave his son, he gave his son, so that I could, I could have a way into what the book of Hebrews says in chapter 10, that I could have a way into the holiness. As a matter of fact, not only do I have a way into the holiest place, I can boldly go in there because Jesus consecrated the way for me. And you know, Pastor Allen just delivered the gospel message. But I want to tell you once again that if you don't know what I'm talking about right now, that Jesus made a way for me to move into the holiest, then this sanctuary here is filled with ministers of the gospel. You need to talk to somebody after service or you can come see me and let's talk about how Jesus made a way for you. Okay? I'm just If you're hearing me and you don't understand that, Come see me or go to one of the ministers that are around you and see them and talk about how Jesus made a way. Okay? So let's talk about a relationship with, with the creator of the universe, the Lord God Almighty. We've got to understand that there's some parameters around that relationship because, first of all, we are finite beings and we're trying to relate to an infinite and transcend it, Lord. Okay? Now, I, I struggled with a word to describe that there, there's some structure around that relationship, but that's because of my limitations and certainly not because of God's limitations. But I'm a finite being, and I'm existing in time, and I'm trying to understand a God who is infinite and exists across all time. We really have a hard time our minds have a hard time of even understanding this entire concept of us being able to relate to, to the Creator God. But I'm, I'm just telling you that we can. And if you can get to this truth, if you can get to the truth, I'm telling you the truth right now, where you can accept that the Lord God Almighty, the Creator of everything that we see, the Creator of the universe, the entire universe, the Aleph and the Tav, that's how he signs his name in the Old Testament, that is the beginning and the end, desires for us, for you, to have an intimate relationship with him, then we've got to know one thing, that there's going to be opposition to that truth. Right? There's opposition to the truth because that's the truth that God wants you to know. He wants a relationship with you. Before I talk about the opposition, though, I want to talk a little bit about our ability to relate to each other. Brothers and sisters, here's the deal. Our culture is beginning to attack even our ability to have relationships with each other. I mean, we got email and we got Gmail. 
We got instant messaging, and we got text messaging. We got the internet, you know, we got regular phone calls, but we got a lot going on, you know. We got a lot going on. As a matter of fact, I struggle to stay in, in contact with a lot of people that I have to talk to, to stay in relationship because I don't even know what channel they're on anymore. You know what I'm saying? I don't even understand how to get a hold of a lot of people. And, and in some cases, the, the, these channels that we've created are really impersonal. You know? I mean, they don't even allow for relationship. And because they're impersonal, we actually take advantage of those channels to their fullest extent. In other words, if we got bad news for somebody, we're going to text them. You know? Is that true? If we got bad news, we're going to text them. Or, you know, I, I can't tell you. I'm in business. I can't tell you how often that, that I ask somebody about, well, did you, did you talk to so-and-so? And they said, well, I sent them an email. Uh-huh. Well, that's good. Did you call them, maybe? You know, did you reach out to them? Did you, did you try to have a dialogue with them? Well, no. Well, we need to have dialogue with each other. And similarly, you know what? I don't want to email the Lord God. I don't want to know that God might answer me or might not. I want to know that he's talking to me, that I'm talking to him, he's talking right back to me. That's the kind of relationship that God wants with me. Amen? You know, we like to think that all these tools that we've created allow us to be more fully connected to each other. We've got social networking going on. You know what the truth of the matter is? Is that I believe that it's breaking down our ability to relate to one another. That's a shame, and we need to be careful about it. You know what? Because if we can't relate to each other, how are we going to relate to a God that we can't physically see? How are we going to do that? You know, I, I, I was at a World War II museum re recently, and, and they had a bunch of letters that were sent to some of the soldiers that were overseas. And I read some of these letters that, uh, that were being sent by the soldiers that were in the Pacific on the front lines, and, and some of the, in some cases their wives or their moms or some of their loved ones back home. And these letters are absolutely remarkable. They're beautiful. They're beautiful. I mean, the desire to stay in contact with each other through these letters is awesome. The written word and the dialogue and knowing that, you know, I'm going to send this letter and, and maybe three weeks later I'm going to get an answer, but here it comes. You know, it's beautiful. And we're losing that as a culture. Shame on us. We've got to stop. You know, Jesus, I think that this is the reason that Jesus knocks on the door and he says, hey, I'm going to come in there and eat with you. You know, I'm going to come in there and eat with you. At the end of the Gospel of John, he goes and he seeks out Peter and the disciples and he says, hey, I'm back. Let's have some breakfast. He wants to relate. You see that? We need to do that. We, do, we need to do that. 
Anyway, I want to get back to the opposition of the truth of the Lord that he wants to relate and have relationship with me. If I accept that truth, and I, and I told you that there would be opposition, then I know that the opposition could, could come from several sources. Might be, might be the devil. I don't think the devil would really like me relating to God. Might be me, my own flesh, my own pride that hinders my ability to relate to the Lord. And it might be some other things. It might be the, the culture, what the New Testament, if the world, in the New Testament, the Greek is, the world is the cosmos, which means the culture, the structure, the order of things as they presently are. All of those things could, could stand in opposition to my ability to relate to God. Right? As a matter of fact, James 4 tells us that friendship Friendship with the world is actually enmity with God. Whoa. Whoa. So if I'm a friend of the world, I'm going to have trouble talking to the Lord God Almighty. Now, some of this opposition may be truly active. I mean, you, you can actually see it at work. And some of it can be more subtle or passive, you know. But the active stuff is typically either the devil or my own flesh. All right? But I want to point out a few things that might allow us to, to key in on so that we can have a closer relationship with the Lord. The first thing is, is just time. Just time. Just time. Can we just, can we just spend some time seeking God? You know, we see it in the Gospels where in the first chapter of Mark, <clears throat> Jesus is busy. I mean, he is doing miracle after miracle. I mean, in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus comes out of the shoot strong. Right away, he's doing some miracles. There's some miracles going on. Boom, 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 boom. And then in verse 35, we see Jesus says, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he, Jesus, went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. He was busy, but he still take, took the time to go out and seek the Lord. And in Luke 5, this is remarkable here, Luke records that, so he, Jesus, himself, often, often, withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Jesus made sure that he was taking the time to go and seek the face of the Lord. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters, here's the deal. There's 168 hours in each and every week, and if you are wanting a better relationship with the Lord God Almighty, and you're going to spend an hour and 15 minutes here in this sanctuary and call it good, I don't think that's going to get it. I don't think that's really going to work. You need to make sure that you're making time for God. Set aside some time to seek Him. You know, for those of you that are married, if, if you 
want to have an intimate relationship with your spouse, you can't expect to have an intimate relationship and only spend a little over an hour relating to them, right? And so it is with God. God wants us to have that intimate relationship. Another thing that we need to do is we need to, we need to focus. In other words, we need to get our minds right and, and, and yeah, we can spend some time, but we've got to make sure that that time is focused. Um, Colossians 3 says that we set our things on, or set our minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And one of the most beautiful examples of a, of a right focus is there are several passages in the, in the book of Psalms. And the passages, I call them the night watch passages, but it's where the writer of the psalm says, during the night watch, I will meditate on you. So he's, the writer of the psalm has the time, and now he says, I'm going to meditate on you, Lord. I'm going to meditate on you. And we see this time and time again in the Psalms, and it's beautiful. And we ought to take the time to do that as well. We ought to shut everything off from time to time and make sure that we're setting our mind on those things of the Lord. We need to make sure that we're giving ourselves opportunity to relate to God. Well, how do we do that? Well, you're here now. Good start. We can do it in church. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say one thing. One of my prayers as, as an elder is, Lord, can your people, including myself, have a heart of anticipation when they get here? Can they anticipate that you're going to do something? Can they anticipate that they're going to be able to move into your presence during worship? Can they anticipate that they're going to hear your word when it's spoken. When Pastor Allen gets up to speak, can they anticipate that they're going to get something out of it? And that's my prayer. And I hope that you come into this sanctuary on Sunday mornings with a heart of anticipation to say, Lord, you got something for me. I'm going to give you something, yes, in the form of praise, but I know that I want to relate to you. It's awesome. And we ought to be doing that. You know, we ought to be given our pastor, when he's up here speaking, we ought to be giving him some respect and some credit. Here's a man that prays about to God about, Lord, show me what I need to talk about. And so when he gets up here to speak, listen, listen, listen. Anticipate that he's heard from God, and because he's heard from God, you get to come along. Amen. How awesome is that? You know, we, have, we also have some other opportunities as well. We can do things like we can participate in the Truth Project that Pastor Allen mentioned that we're having here on Wednesdays. And that's a good way to go. Or we can join some small groups or some, a prayer group. But make sure that you're taking advantage of opportunities to seek the Lord. And then finally, I want to address another big barrier, a big hindrance to our ability to understand or relate to the Lord God Almighty, and that is our own pride and our own flesh. You know, if we're going to relate to God, 
We're going to have to make an effort to get our minds off of ourselves, our worries off of ourselves, and begin to consider the Lord. And even as a believer, you know, I, I can do a couple of things that can hinder my ability to re- relate to God. I can sit there and I can, I can go, well, you know, God, I got this one. I got it covered. Don't worry about it. Good. I'm okay. I'm okay, God. Instead of taking things to the Lord. The other thing I can do is I can, I can actually be prideful in regards to my own walk with God. Here's how that works. I may get some, some strong revelation, you know, or I may, I may God willing, you know, have, have garnered some, some information from the Word. And I can say, you know, I can get puffed up because of it. And I don't need to be puffed up because if I, if I start to get puffed up about what God, what revelation God has given me through His Word, through, through the time that I spend with Him, what happens is that I begin to take ownership of God a lot like Job did. I, get, I begin to refer to Him as my God, my God. Yep, my God. You know? And then what happens? Then I begin to ascribe to the Lord God Almighty attributes or characteristics that I bring into the relationship. Not good. Not good. Not good. Let me make a suggestion here about that. Can we just seek the Lord with a pure and innocent heart? Now, I'm not saying that we want to pursue God or or pursue a knowing of the Lord and, and think and sit under deep theological teaching. I'm not saying that at all because I like it as much as anybody. I like that. I like to, to get some meat. But what I am saying is that in order to effectively relate to the Lord, I need to really enter in. Almost, well, the word is clear. I need to enter in with a childlike heart. I need to pursue him with innocence. It's a, simp- it's a simple thing to relate to God because he wants that relationship with us. You know, if we'll, if we'll seek God consistently and, and, and simply, and innocently and diligently, there's a lot of good things that happen that will come out of that. Think about it. As I seek the Lord, as I seek the face of the Creator and, and see that to the extent, you know, I mean, I, I can, again, I'm, I am the limitation as I approach the Lord. But as I seek Him, there's a lot of things that come out. First of all, my relationship begins to truly get vertical, and I don't have to focus on the faults of those that are around me because I'm dealing with this relationship I'm not worried about your relationship. You know, I'm not worried about your walk. That removes that completely. I begin to understand that that he wants only the best things for me. That he's a good father. And even though I'm not seeing it right now, you know, it's still good. I, I begin to understand that I can walk in peace. I can have peace about the things that I see going on around me. And I can have a deeper understanding of my role in regards to his kingdom here on earth. He wants me to do some things. 
I can begin to love those things and those people that he loves. And conversely, I can begin to have a hate for those things that he hates. I can be fearless because of who he is. And I can, be, I can have a better discernment of the truth. That is, I can really begin to understand that, okay, I'm hearing this, but I don't think that this is God, at least not the way that I'm relating to it. Does that make sense? I can have a better discernment. So I'm just encouraging you this morning to, to take a look at this, to see what you can do to have a better relationship with, with the creator of the universe. And, and I figured that as I was... As the Lord was giving me this word, I, I figured I'd get to the end of it, and I said, well, Greg, you spent a lot of time in the Old, Old, Old Testament, you know, and, and I want to leave you with a passage that I think is remarkable and beautiful and, and tells us a lot of things, and just in case that you were going to kind of chunk a rock at me and say, well, there's not enough Jesus in your message today, Greg. Here's the deal. Sometimes we miss some of these little opening passages or closing passages in, in some of the, the words of the Lord. This is from Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and I'm going to read from the New American Standard Version. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, that is Jesus whom God appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he, now Jesus, he, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of God's nature. Jesus is the radiance of his glory. And he's the exact representation of God's nature. Imagine that. So when we relate to Jesus, we truly are seeing the radiance of God's glory and the, and, and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. That is, all things are upheld by the word of Jesus' power. And when Jesus had made purifications of sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty that is the Father on high. Isn't that a cool passage? I love it. I love it. So I'm going to go ahead and turn the service back over to Pastor Allen, but I just want to pray. Would you join me in prayer just real quickly? Well, Lord, for all the times that, that we maybe ascribe things that were not true to you, Father, we just repent, Lord. And, Father, we just declare this morning that we're going to pursue you in all your glory, Father. We're going to do those things that are needed to make sure that we seek out your truth, Father God, and that, that we see you in the way that you want to be seen, in all of your glory, in all of your majesty, in all of your power, in all of your holiness, in all of your love, Lord. And I just thank you for being a loving Father to me. In Jesus' name, amen.
thank you so much. You know, just as Greg shared how our technologies, advances in communication can be a substitute for relationship. You know, we've got a thousand text messages, but no friends. You know, 500 Facebook friends, but no one really knows you. Just the mask that you per se. We have these personas that we that we purvey. Uh, you know, you may have a bunch of people who subscribe to your Twitter or your blog or whatever, but no, no, no true friends. God's called us to a living relationship with Him, and church can be a substitute for a relationship with Him. Uh, the Christian media, Christian radio, Christian music, Christian books, Christian comic books, Christian coloring books. Christian computer programs, Christian video games can be a substitute for Christ. I love Christianity and, and the uh, kingdom that we are in, but without Jesus, we're just another subculture. Amen. Lord, may you reveal yourself to us afresh. And all these blessings, Lord, may we not allow them to become idols or allow them to get in the way of our own relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the word relationship is entry level into the Christian walk. You want to go deeper, Jesus said, follow me. And if, he's, if, if we follow him, he's the leader, and we've got to report for duty. Lord, okay, what do you want to do today? It's an adventure. He'll lead you to do things. Maybe you were prompted in your heart to have an exchange student or, or to do a mission trip or to do an outreach of kindness to someone. Step out and obey him and allow him to be the leader, to do things that you wouldn't do otherwise. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's stand. I have uh, two announcements. One is we have membership class here today at 4 o'clock from 4 to 7 like to become an official member here or you'd like to just learn more about us come join us it's three hours with the pastor and we end at spring creek barbecue so uh, it's going to be good so come today at four o'clock if you don't mind signing up in the foyer as well as signing up for baby dedications and uh, in your bulletins a very special announcement pastor shake uh, has a huge project he's been working on it's going to happen at the dallas convention center on Monday, October 3rd. Uh, all the music in this thing is something he's written. Ruben Studder will be there, Israel Houghton and others, as well as 150 Voice Choir. And I'll, I'll let Shake tell you more about that next Sunday. Praise the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace as you pursue a closer relationship with him than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's make him known. Hallelujah. Greet someone you don't know. Praise the Lord.